You're listening to the Broncos Audio Zone. This is Horsin' Around with Broncos insider Andrew Mason. Oh my God! Each week, Mace takes you inside the Denver Broncos. I like it! Players, coaches, insiders. And of course, with a twist only Mace can provide. Buddy Duddies! Now, swag. Here's Orange and Blue 760's Andrew Mason. Horsing around post victory edition. It feels good to say that after the last month or so. I'm Andrew Mason of DenverBroncos.com. Andy Lindahl of Orange and Blue 760 will be around in a few minutes. But before we get to Andy, let's go to the locker room from Arizona Thursday night. We'll start with Chris Harris Jr., who's pick six late in the first quarter, broke the game wide open. He explains how he baited Josh Rosen into that throw that put the Broncos up 21-3. to Here's that conversation. First things first, the pick six. What did you see on that play? Look, it looked like you were reading Rosen pretty clearly. Yeah, I was reading Rosen, and uh, like I, I've been saying this for a while, man. If I get to play outside, I got to play way more outside this game, and I get to read the quarterback. And uh, I'm just able to just uh, read, read three-step and able to break on the ball. That's something I've been wanting to do for a while, and I just they gave me a chance today, and, uh, and we played way better. Do you feel like you could rattle him just because he's a rookie and he might get confused? You could show him some different looks. Well, he came out. He threw at me on the first try, so I was, I was relaxed too because I could have. I didn't understand. I didn't think he was gonna throw it and try me that early. So the next one, I said, okay, I'm, I'm about to, uh, I'm bait him and try to pick him off. And uh, but once I seen he was throwing it to me, I was like, okay, I'm gonna have, a, I'll be able to uh, bait him. Did you feel like you had all the way or weren't sure? Oh yeah, I knew I had to make some cuts. Uh, I seen the alley through the old lineman, and I was like, I'm just going to hit that alley. And uh, usually we try to hit the sideline, but I just seen that alley, and I knew I was fast enough to break through it. What did Vaughn's comments mean? A few guys have said, hey, that he told some people before he went out there, the media said, going to kick their ass. But what did that mean for the whole locker room? I mean, we just had that, that it kind of changed our mindset that we just come out here, we weren't going to take no L. That wasn't part of anything in discussion in our mindset. And, we had no doubt that so we was going to come out here and win this game. You feel like this was who you really are as a team? Yeah, this is who we is, and uh, we got to play. We still There's still play, ways we can play better. We know offense wants to put up more points. But, I mean, that's that's the formula for us. If we get up on teams, we can let the dogs loose, and we can play more coverage and have more chances to get interceptions. Five takeaways, six sacks. I mean, that's kind of the template that's that our, got you a Super Bowl. That's our formula right there. And, uh, and today we executed it perfect, and uh, – and now we got a tough game versus KC. We know that they're um, first and second best offense in the league, and we got to play. We got to bring the same type of intensity to KC. Each game's kind of its own entity. So how do you make that translate? Make the momentum translate to next week? Just I think it was a mindset, more a mindset. Like no, they're not gonna run the ball. No, we're gonna play man. We know what it is. We know what Joe's gonna call. We know we're gonna play man, and uh, I think guys just accepted that and uh, knew, took on the challenge. Good stuff from Chris as always. And next, let's move elsewhere in the secondary to Will Parks, who had to play extensively in the wake of the neck injury. The singer suffered by Darian Stewart played extensively, played well, and certainly was one of many players who was hyped up this week about what Von Miller had to say. Give that a listen. So a few guys have said Vaughn kind of gave everyone a heads up that he was going to be so public, saying we're going to kick their ass. Yep. So what did 
those comments mean to everybody in the locker room, kind of putting everyone on another level? Well, when 5 say said we're going to kick your ass, we're going to kick your ass. So that's, it was simple as that. He came and told us. I seen it. I retweeted it. Basically saying that we yeah, we ready to kick y'all ass. So, you know, that's just that should be our motto going forward. Uh, you know, we got the win here in Arizona, good team win, but the job's not finished. We got a big game next week, real big game, you know, possibly to, you know, get us back on track, you know, but it's always good with a win. All you need is one win to get on the run, and that's what that's what we uh that's what we focus on doing right now. It seemed like that was kind of a moment of leadership for him. First time he's been a captain, but he really stepped up there. Is that kind of what guys thought? Uh yeah, man. You know, that's 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 what uh that's what he came here to do. That's what he came here in 2011 to do. And, uh, you know, and, and he's had great mentors and, and, and different types of leadership all around him. Um, so he has a bunch of leadership, you know, in one body. So I don't know who told him to do that, but uh, so we need that every week. You know, we need that every week. You know, for, for all pro, for all pro, pro bowl, you know, you know, future Hall of Famer to say that, man, that, that ain't nothing but motivation to the guys in the locker room, especially young guys like myself, um, to go out there and play with so much confidence that, you know, no one can take it away from you. So as long as we, you know, we stay dialed in and stay focused, man, you know, we're we, we going to be red hot. For this team, how much does it mean going forward to put a performance like that out there? Thorough dominance, both all three phases show, hey, this is our template. We can do this. Oh, uh, man, uh, it, it, was a, it was a good boost. It was a good boost. Uh, you know, we lost, what, uh, three, three games in a row? And... In this league, it's tough to come by wins. So when you come by them, by them, you build off of them. Uh, you know, adversity is always um, throughout the year. And uh, you know, for for the group of guys in this in this room, like I said, you know, for the past couple of weeks, man, I wouldn't trade these guys for nothing, man. We have a great team. We just have to put it to the test each and every week and kick people's asses. That's all. For you, it was tough seeing Darian go out. But uh, how do you feel it went for you playing a more expansive role today? Oh uh, man, you know, obviously it's always good to go out there and, and play and get more playing time and. You know to showcase your ability, man. But uh, you know it was kind of I was kind of uh, you know sad. My dog Stu went down, man. He, he taught me so much um, when I first came in and things of that sort. So you know I wish him the best recovery, man. You know you can't guys like that. You just can't get you can't get rid of, man. You just want them to stay around for so long. You want them to mentor you for so long, teach you the ways, teach you how they how they grow up. He's a nine-year vet. You know a nine-year vet as a safety position. You know that's coming a long way. So uh, uh, I'm just wishing him a speedy recovery. Were you playing deep a little bit more? It looked like out there because of that. Uh, nah, man, I, I was, I was, I, you know, I'm all over, you know, so I'm in the box, I'm deep and covering, you know, covering Ricky Seal Jones all day. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's basically what I came here to do, man. So all I can do is get better from here on out. The only, you can only go up from here. You can't go down, you can't backtrack, you, you got to stay focused and, and keep moving forward. You say you can only go up and also feel as like the team can only go up from here. Where do you think this team can take the momentum from this win? Oh, we got to take it week by week. You know, we can't get too too ahead of ourselves, and that's what we're not doing, man. You know, guys, you know, guys are happy supposed to be. Getting the win in this league is tough, but, uh, you know, we, we, like Vaughn say all the time, we got to stay red hot. We got to stay focused. We got to stay with it. We got we to gotta keep grinding. So as long as we do that, man, we should be pretty fine. Good stuff from Will, as always. If you listen to the Broncos Audio Zone, you listen to Orange and Blue 760, you know he's a friend of the program, as they said back in Blue Chips. Another friend of the program. Sitting right here across from me, actually, from 7 to 10 each weekday morning, he is the program, along with Tyler Columbus and James Gomez. Mr. Andy Lindahl, you look well. You look borderline radiant after the Broncos' <laughs> first win since week two. I think uh, I think you're just sitting me in a bad light then. I'm tired. I, 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 think, I think we're all tired. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know how you're not more tired than I am. Um, actually, as we tape this, I'm about to go jump on KOA and do another three hours, but... <laughs> 
you know what? We're all in a good mood because at least today we're doing six hours of radio, not on a loss, which I was not ready for. Good results last night. You're not kidding. Will Parks, man, he's one of the guys. He's one of the guys that I feel like you need to find a role for, and yet, I don't know, it's an interesting young secondary. Everybody can, look, there's fair points to be made about draft picks that have been missed and so on and so forth, but how about the two safeties John Elway nabbed for himself a few years ago? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think this defense would have had the success that it had at times last year, still a top five, top ten defense, without the two of them. And now, with Darian Stewart having had, it turns out, three neck issues in recent weeks, according to Vance Joseph, as he mentioned at his press conference on Friday, you're relying on these kids at safety. You're probably going to have to rely on Justin Simmons and Will Parks and once you get Sua Cravens back for the Texans game, in all likelihood, Sua Cravens. These guys are the future at the position. And I'll say this for, with Will Parks. They're doing more and more with him when he goes out there. And, certain, and with Darian Stewart out Thursday night, he had to play all over the place. And I thought that was one of his better games he's had since he got here. You know what's kind of funny? I remember talking to him after the uh, ending, the final game in the preseason out in Arizona of all places. And I was like, dude, what were you still doing in there? And he said, someone got hurt and I had to play longer than they expected. I was very, very nervous about it. And it happened again in Arizona where he has to eat up a lot of playing. Now this time at least it's a regular season. So I'm sure he wasn't worried about that at all. And it looked like the defense was having fun. And I don't know, man, I guess just saying that, how about last night? I I need your theories because I was not there. I was watching, not only was I watching in a bar which is always a little bit challenging believe me ryan edwards and i were kind of like can we rewind that can we rewind that again please based Um, on my conversation with you pregame you guys were enjoying the good life we were having fun now Mm. now there was i will say there was no alcohol flowing stout did have a jaegermeister which at 56 wait probably is not a good idea but the rest of us were dry i quit jaegers at 30 i quit jaeger at 25 are you kidding me I quit Jaeger the first day after I had it. <laughs> I remember the last Jaeger I had was in Cleveland the night before a Broncos-Browns game, 2006. And it was a 4 o'clock game, thankfully, because I had some Jaeger bombs in Cleveland on a Saturday oh, night. <laughs> at 30? At yeah. the age of 30. At the age of 30. And <laughs> I spent the next 11 and a half hours alternating between sleep and hurling in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. I had the dry heaves. I had the damp heaves. I had it all. <laughs> I had I had a Jaeger. I remember we were 25. I literally was 25 and moved into this house. Um, well, I probably was younger than that then. I just moved into a house with some of my buddies, and so I must have been 23. All I know is we had a Jaeger one afternoon early for my birthday, and... I don't think I sobered up the rest of the day, and I woke up literally the next day, and I was like, I am done with that stuff. Yeah. That is the devil's medicine. Nothing nothing will punch you in the head quicker. There's no enjoying anything after a Jaeger. Speaking of punching you in the head. Yeah. I that's what get, the Broncos defense did. I wanted to get back to, um, I was pretty proud. I thought, I wished you'd have been on the pregame show on KOA, because Dave, Lo- Dave Treadwell had asked me for a key to the game, and for some reason, the gooch came up, and I couldn't remember who he was the bully from, and we finally figured out through a texter it was different strokes. Yep. I tied the gooch into my keys of the game, and I thought Andrew Mason would be proud of this. Very Tyler proud. and David don't appreciate it. They think we're going off the rails. Andrew Mason, on the other hand, 
would have appreciated the D80s TV show reference, but they were the Gooch. They were the bully last night. What I need to know from you, what led to them having fun again? What led to them flying around? Was there finally good, early, solid communication between the coaching staff and the players? Because you know what? In the Rams game, Mm -hmm. I saw this is where I knew we had a bit of a disconnect going on. In the Rams game, I saw too many players getting their spots defensively on the field way too late. Mm-hmm. And matter of fact, and I think we talked about it during the week, that Todd Gurley run on fourth and inches that went for the touchdown. If you go back and look at that replay, Todd Davis is running late to try to get to his spot. Now, that's part of the reason why they quick snapped it on him. But was there, was that better last night? Were the guys getting the call earlier or whatever it took to get him in position sooner? They were getting in the call earlier, and at the same time, the Cardinals are not as apt to do that quick snap stuff on you as the Rams are. The Rams love to catch opponents off guard with that. It's not something that is in the Cardinals toolbox at this point, partially because they're working in Josh Rosen, a rookie starter. He's taking his lumps, partially because, well, Mike McCoy was struggling to run that offense, and now Mike McCoy is out of a job. The Cardinals dismissed him on Friday morning. Well, judging by the tweet chain that I saw from our insider Ian Rappaport on Orange and Blue 760, my gut tells me Mike McCoy knew that his days were done when he left the stadium last night. I think it wasn't announced till this morning, but I'd be really shocked if Mike McCoy actually drove back into the building. We kind of were laughing, although I like Mike McCoy and so do you, so it's, it's a bittersweet it's laugh. nothing personal. But uh, I did say, you know, normally they tell you to bring your playbook with you. I think they told Mike McCoy in this keep case, go ahead and keep your playbook. We don't, we don't, we're going with a different playbook. I like him, but, man, Andrew, you and I, unfortunately – I had talked. I, I told you before we started recording that I, I had talked to some of my friends in Arizona that do media there, and they told me basically that scattering report I got on why this wasn't working sounded very similar to what we saw last year. And then to watch it unfold, where again you're in three wides, you've had no protection for your young quarterback all night, and you clearly you and I were talking about the Chris Harris interception, which was phenomenal on his part. But it looked to me like a play, and you confirmed it, where Josh saw one thing, the receiver saw another, and we know that's that Patriot system where you're both just supposed to read the same thing and adjust. And it just doesn't work, especially with young guys. Yeah, it doesn't work with young guys. And, of course, on top of that, with Josh Rosen, he locks in on that side of the field. The cornerback has an easy read on him. Look, on first and 10 at 10, we talked about how there were moments when you knew the Broncos had this game by the throat. When did you know... It was their ball game. Maybe it was the Sanders to Cortland Sutton touchdown. For me, honestly, it was when Josh Rosen called timeout before the second play, before the Derek Wolf tip drill to Todd Davis that became a pick six. And here's why. In the first 50 or so seconds of that game, you had outstanding work on kickoff coverage. Shamarco Thomas roaring downfield as though he was a cannonball shot out of a cannon. And he wasn't the only guy down there. Others were. So you could see just the way they attacked on kickoff coverage that they were jacked. The team was pumped, emotionally ready for this game. Then you get to first down. Cardinals go three wide. The bane of Mike McCoy's offense. Something they've done 67% of the time going into Thursday. Three wide. And it's a David Johnson run up the middle. And that play was everything that was wrong with Arizona's offense. Domitav Pekka works off his man, easily makes the play. 
And then before second down, it's an empty backfield, confusion, and Josh Rosen has to take a timeout. And it hit me right then. The Broncos could have the Cardinals on the run, confused, bewildered all night. They're more ready for this game than Arizona was. Yeah, it was fun to watch. And again, it was fun to see the joy. That's the first time I want to say since probably 2016 that I've seen that defense just rabid and feeding off each other in that that just frenetic energy that we were so used to seeing for so long. And, I, you know, it leads me to my next question for you because this adds to the legend of Vaughn Miller, I feel like. He asked, he basically told us this was going to happen. I, I think you heard a lot of the quotes that we found over Twitter and heard audibly, you know, after postgame where a bunch of guys said, oh, Vaughn talked to me about it before he said it, but he wanted to make sure that we were going to respond because I think that's what we, we talked about it on our pregame show. I was going to be curious to see. I knew Vaughn would show up and be a, a hellraiser because he's yeah. got the ability to do it. I was curious to see who would follow suit with him. The whole unit came along with him, which just galvanizes him as the leader of that unit, which is great for the Broncos long term. But that said, Andrew, to me it's legend. It's almost legendary, but it wasn't a playoff game. and It's not like you beat, you know, the undefeated whoever 10 games into the season or, you know what I mean? Um, There are a little bit of caveats along with this one, but the bottom line is I love love the fact that Vaughn came out and said it, and I love the fact that they responded the way they did. It's almost like he went around the locker room asking guys, are you in or are you out? I'm going to say this. Are you in or out? And if you're out, we're going to note that. I think the answer from every guy was going to be that they were in, but then it's one thing to answer. It's another thing to play like it, and they all played like they were – all in they look different like you said it looked like the defense of two three years ago guys flying around corners were aggressive disrupting receivers near the line of scrimmage and cocky they look cocky again they got a little swagger back last night they were doing what they did best and then the offense complemented that well helped build the lead although turned out the defense provided all the points the broncos needed with Two pick sixes, which hasn't happened for the Broncos since 1989. Steve Atwater's first game, although he didn't have a pick that day for a touchdown. It was Tyrone Braxton and Randy Robbins. First time for the Broncos with two pick sixes in one quarter since 1962. How about that? How do you like them apples? Yeah, that. <laughs> I like them apples. <laughs> They're tasty. No, it was... You know what was the? We were talking about what's sustainable about this from last night, as as you can imagine. Yeah. Text line full of fans, and a lot of doubting Thomases, as I like to say. Uh, and I get it. You know, I'm I'm trying to be tempered in the response. We all still know there's some work to be done and all that other stuff. But I would, I've been trying to preach this to Bronco fans. Please live in the moment. Please live in the moment. You know, th- right now we're recording this on a Friday. Guess what? You get to go in the weekend and feel good about yourself. And I guess depending on how your your thick your allegiance is to your college team, it shouldn't be ruined all weekend long. There's no chance for you to have one of those kind of moods you get after a bad game until next Monday. So just enjoy it first and foremost. And quit sending us a negative text about all the little nitpicky things that you didn't, you know. It just is, I guess it's Broncos country and it's the modern NFL and it does tell you the kind of success that everybody expects. But what a game. Um, so and it Andrew, was, it could be the start of something. Look. You weren't going to make something out of this season without taking that first step. 
and maybe it was a baby step considering it came over arguably the worst team in the league right now. Probably the Raiders and Cardinals are the bottom of the barrel at this point. But if you don't take that step, what do you have? Bupkus, nothing. You had to do it, and you had to, as I said on first and 10, 10, you had to kill a flea with a sledgehammer. Don't just beat them, crush them. Yeah, I would say this. I think the newfound, uh, a bit of optimism for me in the season. Now, optimism, I mean maybe battling for the last wild card spot. I'm not going to, again, oversell this because there's a lot of work to be done, and it looks like Kansas City's division. But that said, had you won 24-13 or 24-17 or whatever mundane, usual NFL score you want to come up with, no, we wouldn't be reacting this way today. It is the fact that you were up 35-3 at half and were allowed to take your foot off the gas. And it does make me feel a little bit better and does make me think maybe there's more to what this team truly is judging off those close games you played the Rams and Chiefs versus how bad, to me, the Jets game, that just... Basically, that just that that shadowed overshadowed everything that they had done in those other two close home losses. This made me feel like, okay, maybe there is more of that competitive team actually on this squad after you go and blow out a Cardinals team than how I felt because of what the Jets game did to you. So the, the question is obvious then. Who are the real Broncos? What will they be going forward? Are they the team that bombed Arizona? Are they the team that lost on the road decisively to Baltimore and the Jets? Or are they, as is usually the case, somewhere in between? You know what? I actually think, I, I think this team, and I hope they can change it, but I think the truest identity could be the team that showed up in Baltimore. Now, you say decisively, and the scoreboard agrees with you, and I'm not telling you that you're wrong, but you know what I think this team is? If they play a clean game, they're going to beat some teams, but they're not going to beat every team necessarily. If they'd have played a cleaner game in Baltimore, though, I do believe that's a game now that you probably could have had. Now, you should have beat the Jets. You didn't beat the Jets. Um, you're going to need your best effort to beat teams like the Chiefs, the Rams. You know what I mean? I, I, I said it to you before we started recording. I think there's a couple more frustrating losses on the horizon because that's what you are. You're between 7-9 and nine and 9-7 nine and seven in my mind, and I think 9-7 and seven went out the door with the Jets' loss. But I think you're going to face... You're going to have, you know, a couple of those losses where you're wringing your hands and it's the woulda, shoulda, coulda game, right? We're already playing it with yeah. Baltimore and the Jets. So I think a couple more of those games are on the horizon. But you know what? As I ask you what's sustainable from last night, Andrew, if you keep that kind of pass rush up, I think a lot of things are possible. That frenetic pass rush where the quarterback is not comfortable in the pocket. Mm -hmm. Now, it'll be tough to do that against Mahomes because of his ability to escape. But Phillip Rivers isn't going to run around on you like that. Andy Dalton isn't going to get out and run around the way that that uh, Mahomes does. You got some stationary quarterbacks coming. Where if you can get after them, I think anything's possible in those games. You've got Deshaun Watson mixed there as well, who's taking a lot of hits right now for Houston. Doesn't look quite the same since the torn ACL, so I think you can get to him. And then also in that mix is Ben Roethlisberger. Now. He isn't going to take off and run down the field, but he is still that guy who frustrates pass rushers because he can take that lateral step or two away, make you miss, buy time. And you better show up angry yeah. if you're going to get him down. Oh, yeah. He'll, he'll shake a guy off or two. But that's a five-game stretch starting with Kansas City, at KC, Houston home, at the Chargers, Pittsburgh at home, at the Bengals. If you go three and two in that stretch, somehow, some way, 
and you are sitting at 500 with four games to go, and those four games are at San Francisco without Jimmy Garoppolo, Cleveland at home, at the Raiders, Chargers at home. If you can be 6-6 six and six after going 3-2 and two in the next five, you do have a shot at the playoffs. And I know some of you may be listening right now and saying, yeah, right, playoffs. playoffs. <laughs> it's possible. Right, well, look, we're talking about the last wild card spot, yeah. which doesn't exactly bode well for staying in the playoffs a very long time. But you know what? Again, team hasn't been there in a couple years. So if you can fight your way back in there, I don't care how it looks, that's something to be happy about. Now, again, as we've laid out, a lot of work to do, a lot of, long way to go. But you know what, Andrew? You're off the mat. There's life in the season. And again, another guy that I think is going to be very key to this not being just a one-game deal, Bradley Roby. Bradley Roby showed up last night and played with an attitude. And if you can keep that attitude, I think you can do more things defensively like you want to when it comes to man coverage. In some ways, that was the best game he's ever had. Certainly, I think it was among the top five games he's had as far as coverage. But like you said, attitude didn't get, you know, dictated what the receiver was going to do. Got, you know, make sure that you were knocking him off his route. Didn't let him have a free release that often. Own the moment. That's what you need to see from these guys. Well, and I'll say this on Bradley Roby. I, I, I just, I've heard from a couple folks that they think he's the most talented guy on the team. And I think Bradley needs to understand there's a lot of people. I, I think the Broncos would like to give him a nice contract. You've got to turn this season around if that's going to happen. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that believe in your talent. But I'll tell you what, man, it's got to just start showing up. And some of it is what you just talked about, attitude. Man, it is all physically there. He can run with most receivers. He can play physical defense when he chooses to. I don't know what the disconnect has been with him, and disconnect seems to be kind of the word when it comes to the defensive side of the ball, but I hope it's been plugged in. I hope it's been found. I hope they plug the court in because, again, if he changes it and Chris, if he and Chris can go back to handling the guys on the outside for the most part like he did once upon a time, I'm not saying Bradley's ever going to be a keep to leave in man coverage. I don't think he's quite there, but, look, he's good enough. He's good enough to let you do some things in other parts of the field that will let you bring the five-man pressures and let you not worry about getting burned so much like you have been the last couple of games. Did you see Justin Simmons getting some work against slot receivers I liked it. last night? I liked that a lot. Especially with Sua Cravens coming back, yeah. who's probably going to start playing that Darian Stewart role now. And Sua can do some things too. I mean, to me, I kept saying, I mean, Justin is a big, long guy. To me, I want to see Justin start to play a little bit of the David Bruton role from 2015. You're taking the tight end. We're going to worry about some other stuff, but you're taking the tight end. He, you need to just kind of trust him, and let's see how it goes. Because you know what? In this season, let's say it doesn't work against the Travis Kelsey. All right. It might work against the Texans. might work against Antonio Gates for the Chargers. I would hope so. <laughs> Watching him last week, I got great respect for his career. But, man, I, you kind of see why they're ready to move on until the injury uh, to their other tight end. You know what I mean? Now, yeah. it's not quite with all due respect to Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice came here extremely late in his career, like one tick before midnight. He uh, was in shape. He just had lost He could speed. not separate. Yeah. He looked like me trying to separate from young guys. And I, you know, I hate, I hate to relate it to that, but he just couldn't get away from guys. He had great wiggle and burst. He just could not. Once he got away from a guy, they'd, ca they'd catch him two steps later. He had but, wiggle, burst. How were his hips? Tight or loose? Tight hits. No, I'm just kidding. Quick twitch? Yeah, good quick twitch. <laughs> good first step. Good jab step. Long loin. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. Andrew, I don't. You know what? 
I'm just happy that we have some hope back in the season because I'm, I'm going to say this again. Bronco fans, and we know you're still out there, that are rooting for doomsday just because you want to change here or change there. It's way too early in an NFL season to be thinking about that kind of thing. I'm sorry. We're well, not even in November, man. We're not even close to Thanksgiving. You and I have not even collected the Halloween candy that you need to polish off before you get to Thanksgiving. Interim yeah. coaches at this time of the year spell disaster for teams and can send you into a spiral. The other thing about those in Broncos country who were wishing for disaster, who were actually unhappy about the win Thursday <laughs> night, do you really want to become one of those organizations? Do you want your team to become one of those organizations where they're just playing for the draft year after year? Where they're perpetually 6-10, and 5-11, and 4-12, Here's the deal. Always hoping for the future to quote Yoda or paraphrase Yoda. Never your mind on where you are, what you are doing. <laughs> I want you to speak to this, though, because you know what? I've had some interesting conversations with James Gomez where he and he has some interesting observations about this fan base. And I think you can relate to it. Both because of you have been around Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Fans. And this is not a shot at you guys are taking it. But James has said James has said many a times. Bronco fans, you need to understand, this is how it is. When you don't have the quarterback, this is how it is. And it's not a lot of fun when already by November you're thinking about what college kids you're going to take next year or what draft pick you're going to have or what free agent moves you're going to do. And you never actually get to enjoy the season because every, all this all this future planning you love to do never works out. And it's another coach and another quarterback and another carousel. So don't root for it. Just don't. I've heard from a couple of Cleveland reporters that covering the Browns, your, your calendar is a little bit backward. That interest in the team over the last decade or so actually increases once the season ends and you start getting to the Senior Bowl, free agency, the combine, the draft, all that stuff because that's where the hope starts kicking in. But they were out of it so many times in November and December, year after year, that you were just trying to get to the end of the season so you could really start focusing on the future. That's kind of what Tampa Bay is like a lot of years. Yeah. It's what I think Broncos fans were like last year. In December, I think we were more focused on the future than the present. Oh, yeah. You remember the Redskins week? All we're talking about is Kirk Cousins. and Will he be here? Where, will he be in Denver or somewhere else in free agency? That was awful. I hated that, frankly. I Never in my media career have I had to talk about the job security of guys that, frankly, I liked while they were still on the team like that. And it's not fun to do. No. People may think we enjoy it. We don't. We have to. It's part of the business. Yeah. It's why you try not to get too close to guys until they've yeah. moved on. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. But you know what? Here's the deal, Bronco fans. Go enjoy some caramel corn. Maybe get dressed up taking a Halloween activity and just be happy this weekend. Enjoy football. Enjoy the game Saturday. Enjoy the game Sunday. There are some... Good matchups. I'm really looking forward to Saints-Ravens. Great offense versus number one defense in the league. We're going to find a couple things out there. Oh, yes. Well, historically, defense beats offense. But 2018 is not like other years. This no. era of football is different. It's a test of the old football maxims. The Ravens kind of holding up the old school. The Saints, the new wave, where things are going. I'm not sure the weather's ready to favor 
the Baltimore way just yet, but we'll see. We'll find out. Thank you, Andy. Appreciate it. And thanks to Will Parks, Chris Harris Jr. for joining me earlier in the podcast. If you want more, subscribe to the Broncos Audio Zone on iTunes. And, of course, listen to Orange and Blue 760, Andy and Tyler Columbus, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Mountain Time. Me, Ryan Edwards, Ring of Famer Steve Atwater, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Every weekday, join us for all the Broncos conversation you can handle and more. Until next time, take care and thanks for listening. This has been another edition of Horsin' Around with Broncos insider Andrew Mason. Check out Mace on DenverBroncos.com and weekday mornings at 10 with Steve Atwater and Ryan Edwards. That's how we get it done. We'll see you next time on Horsin' Around.